Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talking Cop, it's your post-match show. It's me, Chris Brack. It's him, Matt. It finished Liverpool 3, Forest 0. In quite frankly, Matt, one of the more routine Anfield wins, which is becoming quite a nice habit. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh we'll take that one, won't you? Just it's uh it felt very title-winning season form, especially when the game was at 2-0 and we were just knocking the ball around at the back. It really felt like everybody had decided that the game was already over the Three points were going to Liverpool, and that was the end of that. So, yeah, yeah it was very nice. I generally messaged a friend of the show, Kev, and just said, can we get this third goal out of the way? Because I'll be honest, I'm getting a bit bored. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a nice place to be. We used to go, I just love seeing win. Ah, oh, do you remember these? Yeah. We had these couple of years ago. These are great. <laughs> get up very often. Anyway, let's start from the beginning. Let's look at, look at the lineup. So, no real surprise in the lineups, I don't think. You know, the back four is the back four. Midfield is what we expected. You know, due to, you know, unfortunately what's going on with um, Luis Diaz, which is a horrible situation, Jota started, because I do think Diaz would have started, because that game yeah. would have suited him. Him with his pace is probably what you need against a, a back 10. But otherwise, uh, the only probably concern I had a little bit was you look at the bench going, it, there is a, it's a lot of kids and two goalkeepers, which is always the early signs of our injuries are biting a little bit in terms of options to change, but we didn't really have to worry about them, which is a good thing. And like you said, got Jones coming back next week, so that's one more back. And then hopefully Bajetic and Tiago remember that they, they're footballers and they can run at some point. But, you know, were you happy with the lineup? Anything you'd have done differently or kind of what you expected? No, it was, uh, it was. I mean, obviously the uh, Luis Diaz uh, notwithstanding, because who could ever uh, foresee a situation like that coming up? And I mean, obviously... Everybody that's connected with Liverpool and anybody with uh, a semblance of a human heart uh, is obviously got their thoughts with Luis Diaz and his family right now to try to get that situation cleaned up. But no, I uh, I had predicted 10 out of these 11 uh, to start. I think it was pretty straightforward who was going to be the starting lineup. So and it's good to see because it really feels like we're starting to find rhythm, especially especially at the back. I, I thought our defense just looked very solid today. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Even my night, we looked good. I'm not mm. going to. I can't even I can't slag him off. I'm like, no, I I will. I will. We'll we'll okay. get to Simicas. No, generally I thought, you know, I know everyone knows he's not my favourite person, but if he's playing most games like that, which is just the cog in the machine, sound. So kind of all you need him to do. You know, I'd like him to be a bit more adventurous going forward sometimes, but you know. Well, there you go. You brought it up, so let's do it right but, now. I thought defensively he was I thought defensively he was fine, but for the like it seems like he's incapable of playing a forward pass. He's doing it that often. I wonder if it's under instruction, though. It pretty much, if, if it's not, he needs to really have, you know, being grabbed by the collar and told that it's okay to actually pass the ball towards their goal. Yeah, because there was a couple of times where I did think he got the ball, thinking, just play down the line to Chotter. Yeah. Uh, but listen, maybe he's under instruction because Trent's allowed to go so far forward. He's just said, look, all your job is 
get it, give it back to Virgil, and we'll switch play. That's all I want you to do, and take the free kicks. And listen, right. I'll, I'll give him that then. Sound. If he's not been told to do that, then I'm sure Klopp will discuss that with him behind closed yeah. doors. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I think, what, 15, 20 minutes into the game, it was like Liverpool have got 80% of the ball, completely all over them. Didn't really work the keeper, if we're being honest, for the first 20 minutes, though. Don't think, I think he had one jot header, which was quite a routine save. I think they, I don't think they, I mean, I don't know if they had a shot target all game then, but no. I think they had a half chance, but we kept but we kept them catching them offside, which was quite good. But we've been frustrated for the first 20 minutes. It did feel like this could be a little derby again, isn't it? It's going to be one where they have to grind a, an opening goal out, and then I think we'll be okay. But it's just going to be patience for the first goal. I, I don't think I felt frustrated. I mean, I have written down the first note of the game is after 30 seconds, Trent made a horrible turnover pass into the middle of the field and the ball just ends up running through to Allison and there's no harm, no foul. And it was very obvious that Cooper was setting them up with a full bus park job. It was five across the back, you know, be solid, be resolute. And to their credit, until we scored, they were doing a very good job. They were executing their game plan wonderfully. But unlike in previous years where it felt like you get that frustration that builds of like, how are we going to break this block down? With our midfield and especially with Dominic Sabaslai in this team, it just feels different. It just feels like we have that extra little bit of attacking impetus that we can bring from an area that they're not expecting. Because in years gone by, if it wasn't coming from Mo or Sadio, you know, coming down the wings or if Trent wasn't playing these incredible passes through that just slice the defense open, it felt like we had nothing else to offer going forward. And now we've got guys in midfield that are willing to pick the ball up, turn, burst forward. They've got a shot on them. I wish we would have shot a little bit more. It was a bit of a, a, a flip from the Toulouse game where it felt like it was shoot on sight. Anytime we got the ball anywhere within about 30 yards on Thursday, we were uh, we were having a shot. In this game, it was just – there was a couple times where it was like, Sabasai, you got the ball, just shoot. Just see what Matt Turner has in his locker because I don't think he's that good of a goalkeeper. But, uh, yeah, no, it, it wasn't frustrating. It just felt – and, I mean, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but – it just felt like we were always going to create the opportunities and we were going to eventually take our chance. So we're better than yeah, it does, yeah, it, it does feel like most games now you go into game, well, we'll get at least two. We kind of have that sort of belief that we can score a couple. I do think, unlike probably the pre-incarnations of Popsy, we do seem a bit more of the patient side. We're happy to be patient, which I think as fans, we're, we're not used to that because we're used to a bit more of the blood and thunder and, you know, it feels like kitchen sink in it. But, you know, with pace and it's exciting. We seem a bit more, yeah, do you know what? We're right with the other 30. Don't worry about it. We'll um, we'll get the goal eventually. Don't worry about it. That's kind of, you know, a bit City-esque. City are very much built that way, which is if we don't get it in the first 10 minutes, we'll get it in a half an hour. We'll, they just have that sort of way of playing. So, you know, all those were pretty good. So and then let's talk about Jota because he just loves scoring against Forest. <laughs> he sure does. Wolves, I think even his Wolves days, he kept scoring against Forest. They ate him absolutely yeah, he's got he's got six goals in five games against Forest. Uh, one of those were was in the championship for Wolves against Forest. So I mean, he yeah he he does like the sight of those Forest jerseys, doesn't he? Yeah. So uh, Dobbo picks up in the middle, plays it out to Mo. Mo does his lovely rolling the ball under his foot, plays a beautiful pass to Dobbo to get it right at the bite. Uh, sorry, no, no, I'm getting the wrong way around. I'm thinking the other goal. Start again. I'm, I'm talking about the Nunes got more. Well, I'll, I'll go through it because I wrote it down here. Yeah. First and most important thing is that Alexis McAllister is like a little That's terrier it. bulldog in the middle of the park. 
He gets stuck into the tackle. He wins the ball. He gets his head up. He plays it off to Mo. Mo, I'm calling it a side pocket pass. He just loves that pass where he just takes a mm. second on the ball. He waits for that angled run. He plays that little slide ball through for the runner coming on. He played it for Sabaslai three, four, five times throughout the game. We've seen it for Nunez since the very first game of preseason where Nunez makes that left to right run across the back of the defenders and Mo just slides the ball in between the fullback and the left-sided center half and they're into space. Mo plays that ball into Darwin. Darwin gets a shot off very much akin to one of his two goals against uh, Newcastle to win the game. Turner does a pretty good job, actually. There's a lot of venom on that shot. I don't think a lot of keepers in the world are going to be able to keep their hands on that one. And he spills it right at the feet of the one person you want to have the ball in that situation. Oh, that's a really, really classy celebration. You know, putting Luis Diaz's shirt up, you know. So that team camaraderie, you know, letting them know we're all, we're all with you. You know, that's kind of what you want. Back to the Mo Pass. I'm convinced Mo's been watching the old 80s videos, Liverpool team in the 80s. And I think he's just decided I was going to watch what Kenny used to do. Because watching the old videos of Liverpool in the 80s, as Dalglish got older, so he wasn't as quick, you know, that was his pass to rush all the time. But he, yeah. he, you know, and I think, think we are seeing like an evolution of Mo because he isn't ever going to be as quick as he was when he first joined because, you know, actually older, he will slow down. And he's just adding more and more to his game. You know, he's just creating extraordinaire. I mean, he does get assists for that, but it, it's the key pass you need to set up, yeah. to set everything up. So, you know, he's, he's just becoming really, really good, even better, which is yeah. what we want, really. Yeah, and he still, like, he still obviously carries the goal threat, as we see with the third goal at the end of the game, and he continues his goal contribution streak at Anfield. So teams still have to be wary of him because he still is such a threat in front of the goal to put the ball in the back of the net himself. So he's drawing that extra defender over to him, and it just makes so much space. So, I mean, obviously I wasn't lucky enough to be exposed to Liverpool in those glory years in the 80s, so I don't know, you know, firsthand. Typically, people was I. Yeah, <laughs> you were you were at least in the you know like the vicinity. correct country. Yeah, I, I, was, mean, I, was in the, I was in the vicinity, but I would have very little knowledge of it. Yeah, I don't even know if wild wide world of sports would have been playing Liverpool highlights in the eighties for me to see it, even if I had access to cable back in the day, which I did not. So, I mean, by the time I came along, it was you know I I knew Kenny Dalglish just coming in to be the manager, and uh, you know in his second stint about 10, 12 years ago, whenever that was. So. I, uh, I, just, I don't have access to that, but I understand the connotations when when yeah. you say somebody is playing akin to Kenny Dogleash. I mean, you got your name on the stand, and you you've oh, it's, been a, it's, it's you know it's met with such high praise. Uh, Robert Guys spot on. Darwin News movements, his positions was elite. It was his movement yeah. was brilliant. I mean, I think that was sort of lost on people with the whole Captain Chaos nonsense of last year. Is he's very clever in his movements, and he you know finds his awkward pockets for that he's a nightmare to mark especially with that level of pace he's got what uh, i noticed today he was he was dropping a lot deeper than i've noticed him before mm. like there was lots of times where he was dropping back to the halfway line to be that you know false nine sort of position he wasn't just straight up staying on the back shoulder of their of their center halves and trying to break it because again they were in such a low block that there wasn't really a lot of space in behind for him to to play that ball into it but it's there's just no way that a player with the natural skills and obvious desire and drive that Darwin Nunez possesses, who's coached by two world-class managers like Marcelo Bielsa and Jurgen Klopp, isn't going to hit a level. And I, I think we are going to reap so many rewards from it. 
Uh, the show the other night on Twitch, there was a guy that was saying, I don't know, there was a person that was saying that they're not sold on Nunez and they don't know if they ever will be. And it's like, cool, you are going to be eating those words probably before think, the end of this season because I think he's just going to explode. Yeah, I think, look, it's the nature of football is, I think if someone doesn't, like, isn't brilliant in the first 10 games, sometimes yeah. that's it, then they're written off yeah, forever. And, and then the other way, if somebody's brilliant in the first 10 games, they can do no wrong. You know, it's, look, I just think that with big with Darwin, and I would say it's the same with Trent this season. Confidence is a massive, massive thing. And he now looks settled in his role, settled in what he's required of him, confident. And I think with Trent, he looks back to the best I've seen. He looked quicker. Uh, I remember last year, you got, Matt, you did a lot of the post-match shows where everyone said he, he's put too much muscle on, he's too big, he's too slow. When you look at him, he's just, he looks exactly the same physically as last year. The difference is, he looked confident. And Vice Captain, I think, is bringing out an air of confidence in that's making him step up a level and make him get back to his normal level. And sometimes that's all you need. You know, it's yeah. a, I think it's highly underrated you know, belief and confidence that that's all you need. I'm not when you look what's around them, it's a lot more settled for Darwin, isn't it? And for Trent. You know, yeah, no kidding. going, right, we know what we're gonna get from that. I know I can go here and I'll be covered or I know I'll get the ball of him. Whereas before yeah. they're probably going, ah, it's just not working. Yeah, the the amount that confidence adds into a player's, I mean, it's a total intangible and it might not be a correct statement to make, but like the difference that confidence makes in the recovery speed of our defenders. Because last year it was like when Trent needed to recover and make that big legging run back because we turned the ball over in midfield, he just seemed slow and disinterested. And this year he's just busting his ass and he's getting back. And like I said, all across the back line, like, uh, there was a comment there uh, earlier saying Virgil was Rolls-Royce-esque today. I mean, he's just looked so good yeah, last he's, year. He had, his, he had his slippers on today, didn't he? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's exactly where we want him and need him to be. If we're going to hit the heady heights that we all want and hope that Liverpool hit, we need Virgil van Dijk to be that calm as you like Virgil, who can just instantly find that top gear and close down whenever a, a half chance comes over the top. And we were, we were all over it, but I mean, as soon as that first goal went in, it was just like, all right, like here Should we go. Because out. I know, I know in the telegram chat before the game, you know, yeah, yeah, how is everybody feeling? And I'm obviously always very bullish. I predicted a five nil did not quite come to fruition. I did get all three of the goal no. scores. I thought all the forwards would score. But I know there was a few people that were thinking, ah, you know, it's going to be a tough game. And rightly so, coming into it, Forrest had only conceded 12 goals in their nine Premier League games. So yeah, even so. though they're they're down at the bottom, they don't have a super leaky defense. But as soon as that first goal went in, it was like, yeah, here we go. Like, we we could get one today. Yeah, I, did, I was on one of the uh, Forest podcasts. Uh, I think I predicted 3-1. That's I kind of went, it's a standard Liverpool win, 3-1. Yeah. I think it'd be I think it'll be two one for a long time and Liverpool will get a third late in the game. So I kind of feel it'll be a bit like that. The three two last year was a bit like that, where every time we kind of thought we'd get away, we we'd got away, got pulled away. They would always peg us one back. But to be first Liverpool, we kept our arms length really, really well. Uh, and then the second goal is just gorgeous, isn't it? It's a yeah. Well, it's that it's that Mosala pass again. It's that side pocket pass again. This time it's the Sabasai, who is just I I'm going to throw this up here from Garmac LFC on Twitch. Says, can we talk about how Sabasai is already levels above? The guy just runs and runs and runs. And with purpose and power and direction, he knows exactly what he's doing, it seems like, at all points. And, again, just a, a complete willing runner. Jota wins the ball in midfield. 
gets his head up. He crosses the feet, uh, crosses the ball across field to Sabasai. Sabasai lays it off to Salah, and then he just runs. And he knows that that pass is on for him. Mo makes Close that up. little side pocket pass, and yeah. Darwin Nunez. I mean, according to Stephen Warnock, he didn't, didn't even know, know anything about it. Yeah. Didn't know anything about it. You know, not the fact he just, he ran from the left of the box, ran ran in front of the defender, cut back to get into position, and then lifted it. You know, it was a it was a classic poacher's goal. That where you want your number nine to be. You know, basically, if Jota had done that, everyone go, "Well, that's what Jota does." You know, yeah. that's what that's all you want your number nine to be. But I mean, Thomas like at the moment, he's got everything, hasn't he? You know, the difference from today. Uh, and the, a couple of the Liverpool press would point this out as well was it was like he'd been deliberately told as soon as Mo gets it, I want you to over overlap him wide right because top slide tends to be a bit more cut inside to the middle, mm-hmm. but this time he was definitely deliberately giving Liverpool a different width option. Yeah, underlap. It's like a slight, a slight tweaking. It was great listening. You know, he's got an engine on him. He's quick. You know, he can spread passes from anywhere. He's got nice little flicks on him. He loves a crack from distance and they stay hit. And listen, the only concern you ever have with Sopas Live coming into the league was, well, how quickly will he settle? And is he just like a real, a bit like Gravenberg, Gravenberg's probably more of this, a real attacking number eight, but, you know, we'll have to work with him a bit defensively. Not not at all. He seems to quite enjoy the uh, the dirty work, the donkey work. You know, I think Gravenberg is still developing that part of his game, but I think at the moment Gravenberg's just been told, just play your natural game. Yeah. Enjoy, your fo- enjoy your football again. And then we'll start to add, add the bits we want you to do later. But yeah, it's it seemed like Gravenberch was given a little bit more license. Like there was, like Trent wasn't inverting nearly as much as we've seen him in previous games. He was sticking to a traditional right back or a, a traditional Trent Alexander Arnold right back positioning for large parts of the game. And Sabasai was almost dropping in to make it kind of like a four-two-three-one. And Gravenberch was pushing so so far forward, and it, it seemed like it was by design. And it. To be fair, it wasn't really working. It, I, I thought Gravenberch had a pretty, pretty quiet game. game. Yeah. yeah, but I think the logic would make sense because they're playing a back five, midfield forward, don't move. You know, so there's no point Trent being in the middle and Sobers like each. You're making it. I think Liverpool have decided we need to stretch it, stretch it wide. My only frustration the first before we got the first goal was we stretched them wide. We just didn't. We just weren't quick it was yeah. still quite pedestrian again that you know i can't really blame the open league because you know eight of that eight of the lads have been playing it yeah so yeah precisely yeah. i i gotta throw this comment up here from thor to dyslexic polyglot because it's something that i was saying after about the second or third game of the season not the Gravenberg part but he says can you imagine if Gravenberg had gone to man united or if god forbid if sabasai had gone to city I mean, yeah. with De Bruyne going out, he would have slotted into that team perfectly, and they would be unstoppable. They would be un. He's a perfect City player. Gravenberg uh, is also is probably also I think United need more legs in midfield because they're still at the moment. If they get an injury, have to play Ericsson to do a lot of running. It's not his game, you know. Gravenberg could do that, so you could see why United were linked with him. Guys think yeah. he would do well, so yeah. But, so you know, listen, credit to, credit to Klopp and the club, you know. They, they got the players and got the players in after we didn't get the one we really wanted. We've got the other yeah. players that we needed. So. Well, and I, I don't know how much Gravenberch was ever going to be tempted by United because I'm sure at some point he uh, he had a conversation with Donny van de Beek and went, how's life at Manchester United? And he went, I don't know. I don't have a football career anymore. 
And yeah. they're like, oh shit. Well, maybe I'll go to Lydia. Let me let me talk to Virgil and Cody instead. And they're like, this place is fucking great. You should come here. So like that's not even a concern, that Gravenberch part. But Sabasai going to City, that should have been a real possibility. And I'm sure I was at least in the chat, if not actually on screen doing a show when we signed Sabasai, because I just didn't know enough about him. He didn't seem like the type of player that we needed for our team. And there's my hand held up. Holy mm-hmm. shit, have I been wrong? Because yeah. Just absolutely fantastic, and I mean, I, we're I, talking I, about I the midfielders. Oh, go ahead. I said I was thinking in terms of, oh yeah, great, he's an attacking midfielder, but I was thinking like he can't be the only one. And I think we all had that worry in the summer, going, well, he's a big money, he, and he was a big money signing. You're going, what else are we bringing in? You know, because Hayden McAllister, we thinking it can't just be two of them. Yeah. Grafenberg was the icing on the cake, and Endo has been a solid addition. So then, you know, but I at the time we all were a bit like. Oh, he's an exciting player, but is, does he give us everything that we need? And to be fair, he's off the ball stuff, especially his defensive work is well, definitely better than I thought it would ever be. Yes, uh, very, very much so for me. I mean, yeah, it was kind of shades of like Gakpo of like when we signed Gakpo in the January and it was like, all right, like I'm okay getting excited about this, watching him at the World Cup. Like I, I can see what he does, but is that what we need at this point? And it, you know, it turns out that he was exactly what we needed at that point because we ended up picking up injuries. And if we hadn't assigned him, we, we would have been playing, I don't know, Oakley Cannoneer in Premier League games. I know. I think we did need him. We just needed Gakpo and another in January. Yes. That was the problem. Yeah. It, was, it was only him. I think that was the problem. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, Bellingham is unreal. But the four, four for one deal we got for Sobers Lyon, McAllister, Grafenberg and Endo is a chef's kiss. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, listen. No, no one here on uh, talking cops is going to say, "Oh, we don't need, we don't, we wouldn't have wanted Bellingham." We don't. Of course, Jeez. everyone, everyone wants so Bellingham. Everyone is so, so good, but so for what, but for what we needed, if we'd signed Bellingham, we still needed three others. Yeah, and let's be honest, the club was never going to. Spent, yeah, no, we uh, we're not owned by Todd Bowley. I mean, all all this talk about the midfield. I uh, before we get into the second half action, just in general, I thought Alexis McAllister had maybe his best game in the six for us today. Yeah, he, he did. He, he played the six the way what Clause, not what we think of when we think of Havan Fabinho, which is more aggressive tackling, big and physical. It is more interceptions. Looking up and then playing club passes, Alonso esque. Yeah. That's kind of how Alonso plays the six. Is it was picking it was picking interceptions out, and he did that really well. Um, he got better with his back to goal because quite a few times that's when he gets caught. It's his back to goal. That's normally he turns into trouble. But uh, to be fair, he was a lot more alert with that. I thought, and um, yeah, McCall's had a, uh, a really good game. That's it's quite good at the moment midfield. We're also going two of them have one good game. Was a quiet game. So today, Gravenberch had the quiet game, yeah. whereas. Another week we go, oh, Sobsla was quiet, but it's okay. Grafenberch was brilliant. Or McAllister was brilliant. You know, that's what's been really good this year is when someone who's been impressed last week has had a quiet game the following week, somebody else has stepped up in some way, shape, or form to impress. Like, we'll come to stuff later. I thought Harvey Elliott didn't have a great performance. Nope. But that's fine because he's had six performances coming out of someone who's been brilliant for us in the league. So, do you know what? He's had the odd, the odd quiet game when you're 3-0, but I couldn't care less. Yeah, that's quite a nice thing to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like you said at the top, like it was just a perfect game. It was a perfect result. The players that had, you know, slightly off performances, I would say Simicast going forward, Gravenberch in total, Elliot off of the bench, 
you know, Gakpo not being aware of where the offside line is at the very end to make it four nil. Yeah. It's all those things. When you win three nil, you can just go, Hey, it's fine. It's fine because there's so many other of our players had eight or nines out of tens today that it just, and that's, that's the whole point of having a team is that you have those players that are willing, much like Mo during the Derby, you know, poor game bags, two goals doesn't matter because you get the result and you just keep on trucking through and it's the three points the three points the three points is absolutely okay. the most important thing can, can i ask you let's be honest didn't have a great derby you know his, that was his first ever derby um which i found mad but he said he's never played the derby before Fucking hell, he might not play in a derby any plays like that today no force relaxed even when uh one year came on who caused him lots of issues in the game last year yeah no problems, fine. Reacted well to it, you know. Covered across Trent when he needed to, and you know it was just pretty relaxed and routine, really, which is all that we wanted, really. Yeah. Oh, here's our here's our little Oppo fan buddy, Arsenal for life, great win. Uh, Thank you. He's, Thank he's you. Still wear, he still wears Liverpool pajamas. He just doesn't want to admit it. <laughs> footy footy pajamas, onesie footy pajamas. It's uh. Yes, I mean, like we got into halftime, and I, I don't know if I've – it's been months since I've been as effusive with my halftime praise notes. Uh, like, I just thought everybody was doing so, so well. Like, Allison pretty much could have taken out a lawn chair and just had a little sit-down for that match. He really had absolutely nothing to do. Forrest weren't poor, but, like, we just have the better players all across the park, and the way we've got the team set up, it was always going to come that way. Uh before that, sorry, I got to round back. 37th minute, another great show of heart by everybody inside Anfield with the round of applause for uh, Paul McHugh, the uh, longtime Liverpool fan who tragically lost his life last weekend after the derby. It's just an a, like another, especially in a week where the 60th anniversary of uh, Jerry Marsden's You'll Never Walk Alone hitting top of the charts and becoming the club anthem. It's a very... It it hit it hits home. I think. I mean, the fact that this is our club's anthem. I don't know if you saw the the video that Klopp put out. Yeah, yeah. I it's it's absolutely beautiful. And I mean, the fact that Jurgen Klopp has managed three clubs, and all three of those clubs have "You'll Never Walk Alone" as their club anthem. It's he's the perfect manager for us. But I mean, all those things, whether it's the the Luis Diaz situation or uh, you know what happened with Paul McHugh, that I'd those also- words ring true for for everybody. Yeah, and there was a, a very good uh, show of respect and applause for both uh, Sir Bobby Charlton and Bill Kenwright, to be fair, who yeah. Bill, Bill was a big blue and he never hit he was a big blue, but he was big for the city and the work he did around Hillsborough. You can't yeah. you can't ever knock him for that. So it was yeah. nice both both of them got the respect they deserved, you know, because both you know are legendary figures in in their own right in football, so they deserve what you know everything that happens. So I, I was actually thought. It looks day all around really today, wasn't it? So, yeah. so yeah, but yeah, yeah second half. So second half started off. And I'll, I'll be honest, evidence in. I text Kev. I went on board. Can, yeah. can, something, can something happen? <laughs> and it just felt like very much the year we won the league, as you called it earlier. And we're set up for two 0 We'll see this out. Yeah. It just felt we're quite comfortable with this, and it almost felt like Forrest had done like a shake hands and said. You know what? We'll, we'll both shake hands. We'll take two nil. You don't score yeah. anymore. We'll, we'll yeah, don't, 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 don't smash us. Our don't score anymore. We, we, we won't hurt a player. We'll just, yeah. we'll call, we'll call it quits. And to be fair, 
up until the seventh, seventh minute, it probably would have been that until the turner and the defender. Fucking hell. So it's, I have to say, Chris, this goal to me is absolute <laughs> sweet justice. This goal is such sweet justice because it comes from a Nottingham Forest long throw in into the box where Sabasai wins the header, humps the ball upfield. Matt Turner has an absolute nightmare, but it should never have been a throw in. Ilanga is clearly offside and Kanate steps across yeah. and has to put the ball out for a throw in. And the, all the side ref has to do is raise his flag and we probably don't score that third goal. But instead, he gave us a gift just wrapped up with a pretty little bow on it in the form of an opposition set piece, which we are so fucking dangerous from. Like you saw it during the derby. Every time Everton had a corner, it was like, I think we're going to score, not them. I think we're going to score from this corner because we're defending set pieces extremely well this season. Hopefully I have not jinxed that going forward, but we're not giving up. We're not giving up weak goals. We're not being bullied under high balls and stuff like that. And the fact that they have a long throw in that they should never have had. And five seconds later, the ball's in the back of the net. That is chef's kiss stuff right there. It, it, it was so funny because it's Turner's like, look, they're like, you get it. And he's going, well, you're going out, but you're getting it. And then he went, oh, I'll just catch it. Oh, wait, no, I'm on my box. <laughs> and then hey, back-to-back right-footed finishes of Mo Salah, which is also probably a bit of a tick rarity. So, you know, he, he doesn't see a right-footed finish very often from Mo Salah. Um, but we look very confused there, Matt. Yeah, no, just uh, Kev is saying on Twitch that his YouTube stream crashed, and I was just letting him know that that's, we've had no hiccups on our end whatsoever. Not at the moment. You know, touch wood. Fingers crossed. Oh, the boss man's in the background, so he's taking care of it. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. I mean, I just thought that was excellent. I believe that makes it 14 home games in a row where Mo has had a goal or an assist. Yeah, it's it's just becoming really That's just I, I've called him the inevitable. That's what you call it. It's the inevitable Mo because he'll do something in the game. Uh, and he also now has another, another record. Uh, Mo Salah becomes the third LFC player in history to score in each of the club's opening five league games of the season, followed by Harry Chambers in 1922 and John Aldridge in 1987. So, you know, he just scores next to him again. That's another record broken. Do you know what I mean? It's just ridiculous, keeps, isn't it? Keeps going, keeps going. And, I mean, what's the next home game? Is Luton or Brentford is... Brentford is the next one. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, that's right. Luton, we've got Luton... Uh, Luton away, isn't it? Yes, yeah, Luton it must away. be Luton away. Luton away, and then we've got, Bre- then we've got Brentford at home. So... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gar Mack with a comment in the Twitch here. Thank you for using Twitch, by the way, Gar. Uh, Diogo Jota talking about Luis Diaz. He said he was going to play. I played instead of him and I showed him his shirt to show him we're with him and we hope everything works out. It's unimaginable to think a situation like this could happen. We just uh, we can just support him and show him we're there with him. I it was a very small shirt, but a very touching uh, and large gesture. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think that's actually Luis Diaz's shirt. He's not that tiny. <laughs> it seemed it uh, maybe one of the pregame mascots that came out with the team was wearing a Diaz jersey. There's a little mascot up there about a shirt going, Give me that, give me that. I need it for a celebration. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, really, the, the game really petered out even before the goal. Like I had written down, like, we need some substitutions here just to inject a little bit of life into the game. After the substitutions, after the goal, it didn't really change much. Uh, it was good to see uh, Darwin going off another goal and an assist. So his uh, goal contributions per 90 will continue to be top of the league, almost certainly. 
I mean, the guy's really starting to put up the numbers. I mean, he had good numbers last year. It's uh, it, it's not like he was completely profligate in front of goal or anything like that. Like I believe it was uh, his his goal scoring. Yeah, breaking news says Goldie. Uh, Jada snatches mascot's jersey. And Mighty Red is walking around freezing somewhere. <laughs> ah, here you go. See, yes, YouTube is freezing. Robert McGuire, it might be time to switch to Twitch. You are in fact correct. Come on over. Uh, the platform is lovely. Uh, we just need all the good YouTube chat comment community people to make the switch on over. I tell you, it's completely up, up, and totally better. <laughs> the good ones up me. Well, yeah, I, it's you can you can do some shows instead and leave the chat to everybody else. <laughs> oh, uh, I, and then, yeah, it gets down to it at the end. I mean, yeah, 87th minute, I was raging over the fact that Simicast wouldn't just play the ball forward. But I mean, we're at three nil at that point, just shepherding the game out and. They, and then they decided about seven minutes ago. Oh, should we try and attack inside the gate? And Ilanga hits a hell of a volley other side of the bar. <laughs> Alison's not getting that. Uh, I was raging he got a shot off because it would have been so annoying to finish three-one. Um, but just think it out loud though. This five-four-one thing. Do you think he obviously needs to bin it off because it it's not working. It doesn't work against Liverpool. It doesn't really work against City. It might work against United because they're shite. But in general, against the big boys, it doesn't really work. I'm not saying you have to go gun-ho. But maybe you have to show, need, need to get a bit of a threat in behind just to give them something. Like well, Wolves, they... don't do, Wolves don't do 4-5-1. And Wolves have made life difficult for us. They made, they've made life difficult for City. You know, and they, they've done it against the big boys. made life difficult for them. But they, don't do, they don't just sit back and do 4-5-1 and goes, I hope we hit, hit them on the break. I hope we just get a corner. You know, the... Pick the moments. I just kind of feel this yeah. level of negativity is just like, it's not helping you. I think, I mean, it's different with Wolves because like Huang Hee Chan has really stepped up a level. Like after having a pretty poor start to life in England, after being part of that uh, Red Bull Salzburg team that we played against that had Holland, I'm pretty sure Sabaslai was on that team and Amino was on that team. Like there's a lot of pretty big players that were on that team. And when he came into Wolves, he didn't really kick on like I kind of expected him to. I know I had him floundering in my FPL team for a few weeks. And this year, he's absolutely all over the score sheet. And Pedro Neto is, he's a better player than most of these teams that are playing with 5-4-1 could ever hope to use. But, but if, you, I, if, you look, if you look at Forrest, though, Gibbs White, Ilanga, I mean, he wasn't fit today, but he won you. He's no one. He said, that's three lads that caused you trouble on a counterattack. Well, but different, different trouble. I thought they would, I really thought they would try to stretch us more when they had like when, cause Taiwo was a bit of a doubt on his fitness of whether he would start. He's a very different type of, you know, he's more of a target man, hold the ball up type of player, as opposed to when they went with Gibbs White and Alanga up top of like, all right, Gibbs White is a good player and Alanga has got some speed. So you, you would have thought that that ball over the top where they'd be trying to hit it into the channel. Cause I don't I, – I said this in our Telegram chat. I can't recall a game that I've seen Liverpool play where we've had all 10 of our outfield players in the opposition half as much as that game. Pretty much like the first the first half heat map would be incredible to look at because it's almost certainly everybody except for Allison in the Wolves half of the, of the pitch. Of, they never once had an opportunity to chip that ball over the top and let their little speedy guys like Alanga run onto it because, again – our defenders were extremely well switched on and like the pace that Virgil Canate and Trent were showing and getting back covering it was good. When they brought Taiwo on, he just, he, he wasn't fit. able to get into the game. Like it's, it didn't fit. 
No. And I mean, he was not fit. Chris Wood obviously missed the game as well, too. So they do have other options, but I can see why teams do it. Because if you go with four at the back against a team like us or a team like City, you're going to have to pick at least one or two players out that are going to get that extra attention. So Mo Salah, like Virgil today played some lovely diagonal balls like we saw in his first couple seasons with us, where he just gets his head up with the ball deep in possession and he pings that ball way out to the right wing for Mo Salah to take down. And yeah, he's squaring up his fullback, but you know immediately that center half is going to come out to try to double up on him. If you're doing that with four at the back, all of a sudden you're short on numbers and we got so many players to run forward. So I can see why they do it. It's it's kind of like, uh, shit, which team was it? Was it? Is it Bournemouth that flips between a five at the back and a four at the back, depending on who they play? Mm. And so it's just going to, it's going to come down to being a mini league in the team. Like early on, somebody said, like, if you look at the bottom of the table, 30 points will probably be enough to keep you up. And it, it honestly, it might be. There might be a team survive with 29 points this season because they are dreadful. So there's going to well, be some extremely get, important if, games amongst those teams. Get, if you're going to get 12 point deductions, it's probably the season to get a 12 point deduction because I'll be honest, you probably still stay up. That's the way it's going. At They'll one, if, they got, if they got a 12 point deduction right now, we put them on minus two, they'd be seven points out of being out of the relegation zone and they'll have that made up in two months time. So yeah. yeah, happy, happy days for Everton. So, you know what, don't even give them the points deduction, let them finish 14th or something like that. Give them a three-year transfer ban and a 150 million pound fine for seven, seven, seven gambling partners to pay off. Yeah. Which that means a British FFP again, then you give them points deduction, do it twice. Yeah. But you know, that's, that's something to worry about. Oh, let's talk about yeah. the other thing that uh, the miracle that happened today. Mo Salah won a free kick. I think he actually won two. Two! Two, two. of them! I, I mean, yes, them both down. I mean, yes, he took a free kick as well, which is, we won't talk about that because Mo just doesn't score free kicks. What made me laugh was the free kick, the first free kick he got, which he then took the free kick, was it's no difference to what got done to him the first 10 minutes when the guy literally body slams him. The yeah. Wrestling way where he just body slams the floor and the ref goes, no, throw it. You're like, what? Yeah. So I think Mo didn't for the one he got, he didn't even appeal for it because he's thinking I'm not going to get this. I'm a, the guy's just wrestling me to the ground. I'll just get to the ground, chiller. And he went free kick. Mo looked the most surprised man in the world. So yeah, it's you. You always get that. It seems like in the first 10, 15 minutes of the game when the opposition my first, my left back, yeah, gives him a German suplex like some sort of Dagestani MMA fighter. And Mo's looking at the side judge or side ref and the main ref, and they just wave play on. It's like, how is it not a foul? So, yeah, 62 minutes he won his first one and 71 minutes. Another foul called on Mo. Wow, two in one game. It was it was worth noting it's such a rarity to have happen. Yeah, it's it's such Sadly. a joke. If it was if it was Jack Grealish, he would have 57 fouls called against him every single game. But it's not Jack Grealish, it's Mo Salah. So instead of being the most fouled player in the Premier League, he's probably he's one least. of the least. Yeah. Yeah, ridiculous. But that's a we're back up to fourth. I mean, City are 2 0 up. So, you know, yeah. routine there. United are still shy. So, yeah, happy I took Holland out of my fantasy team. That worked out great for me today. I left them by. I needed to get Darwin in. I, uh, I really like the look of our run of games here. And I had no Liverpool players in my team before the international break. And I when looked at both? that, that run of Everton, Forest, Luton, and Brentford of like, Ooh, we're going to get some points. So I needed to make wholesale changes. Just play both. It's easy. 
Oh, I got him. I, I put him as my captain. I, I wavered at the last minute. I was going to put Darwin as my captain, and I chicken shit it out because of that possibility that he might not start. Yeah, I should have went my, with what it would have paid off. My issue was I picked Isaac and Neto. Isaac has a tw- Isaac has a twenty five percent chance of playing, so he's basically not playing. And uh, Neto, surprise, surprise, apparently is injured. Fuck's mm. No, he uh, he he played. He got injured in uh, in the game, which is just oh. so chat. It's it's so disappointing for him because I mean Wolves were good. Uh, like Wolves could have won that game. They played Newcastle. I'm pretty sure it was Newcastle they played against. Mm. And he had he spun his defender and he was running in behind, you know, like through, not clean through on goal, but it was an attacking opportunity. And he just pulled his hand, like uh, the most obvious pulled hammy ever. It's very, very unfortunate for uh, for the guy because he's got so much skill, so much talent. But you're starting to look at his injury record now, and it's that's what, that's, it's that's hard to see any big club going near him. Sure, the only big club I see go near would be someone like a City because they can afford to hold someone who's got a bit of an injury issue. Yeah, but Doku is probably doing the job yeah. that they would bring in a player like Neto. Actually, you might you might end up at Chelsea because you know they have a bowl player for about two months, so you know maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure Bowley is absolutely fuming at that. I mean, Todd Bowley would have loved it at, in the. You had the same comms as I did. I'm not sure who the main one was, but Stephen Warnock. Oh, Stephen Warnock, comms, Jesus. But... Can, we, can we ban him from Liverpool games? He's worse than Deep, I, deep Rahman. I just need to point out, at 56 minutes, the main commentator said Nottingham Forest are currently set up in a 5-2-3-1 formation and was like, well, you're a professional football commentator then, aren't you? Yeah, that's that's like Todd Bowley saying, why don't we play 4-4-3? I mean, just... Uh, the standard is just so, so low now, it seems like, to get on and do it. I know. It's just... Yeah, yeah but I mean, Steve Warnock... Also, another Steve Warnock classic. I need to remind us. Um, Taylor's had a really good game today. Apart from that one mistake he made for the third goal, that crucial one mistake he said for that for the third goal. That was his actual full analysis. Fuck well, in the man. first half, he also said he was really trying to get the ball out of his hands to start a quick counterattack every time he got it. And it was like, he should have been yellow carded for time wasting in the first 30 minutes of the game. Cause every time Turner got the ball, he was taking forever on it to the point that the crowd inside Anfield was starting to get a little agitated about how long he was taking. But apparently that first couple weeks of the year rule of uh, yellow cards in the first half for time wasting and stuff like that, that's now all gone by the wayside. So. Yeah. That, that, that seems to die. It's death. Like yeah. most of these rules do. They always die. It's like the, the chatbacks, the chatbacks, the officials that disappeared. Yep. Wait, yeah. Wait, the wait. Uh, the the miming a yellow card is an automatic yellow card. That's now gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, but standard, isn't it? We all sort of know it's going to happen, don't we? So. Yeah. Uh, Matt, I need a strike for me. For me, fancy football. Who do you recommend? You're a fancy footballer. I've already got Darwin uh, and Harland. Ollie Watkins. I can't afford it. He's not. He's not uh, well, then you you might not be able to afford Alvarez either. Um, Let me have a look. Let me see who's affordable and who's yeah, good. Yeah, that's that's a tough uh, one. Alvarez oh, has been doing oh, it quite good this year. Oh, I can afford like Alvarez. I can afford him. Yeah, and he he's basically a guaranteed starter. Like I think he started every single Premier League game this year. So there we go. And yes, awesome. uh, this silver top uh, thirty three fifty eight is in fact our own uh, Kevo Sullivan uh, on Twitch. He said, told you it would. And yes, Kev, you were right. I thought maybe the PGMOL might be able to hold their nerve on these new discipline rules for 
maybe until Christmas, but no, we got less than 10 weeks into the season and they've already chicken shitted out of it. Oh, there'll be a new, there'll be a new rule. Have you ever new rule for, v- for VAR? No, I haven't. Oh, apparently now VAR officials have to recite what they're giving before they say check over. So in fact, they have to say goal disallowed, check over. Which I kind of thought, shouldn't you have done that anyway? I thought that was common sense, but clearly not. Yeah. So, you know. But apparently yeah. Liverpool, Liverpool complaining didn't really make sense. Oh, speaking of complaining, did you see uh, Vincent Company's uh, little rant? No, no. What oh, happened to Pep Pep the Third? Oh, apparently... Um, there was a seven-minute check on an offside goal for Burnley, which was given offside. And, the, and the, I did like the guy who interviewed who just liked to throw it in. He goes, but the line went green, that, which would mean offside, onside. Then it went red, so it's offside. He goes, listen, it took seven minutes. It must be correct. But apparently, there was a handball in one of the builds of the goals that wasn't even looked at. And he goes, oh, it's happened to us too many times now. It's just really unfair. It's costing us points. This is the same intercomper that when we complained about mm-hmm. the Luis Diaz goal was, Humans make errors. Just get on with it. Stop moaning. Yeah. Funny how yeah. that works when it, it goes against you, isn't it? Funny that. Isn't it's it? just but, yeah. it's just the way it is, Chris. It's I'm honestly it's that's I, why that's I didn't why these think guys I could love I didn't think I could love Jurgen Klopp any more than just what he's done as the manager of our team. But being this trailblazing pioneer in raising these issues in the wider game of English soccer, English football, pardon me. I'm gonna catch pelters for that is five subs having a having a christmas break not playing these 12 30 games after internationals the ridiculousness with the referees and var and stuff like that he's been the guy that's standing up and saying these things and all of his all of his co-workers all the other managers in the league they're so happy to just fucking throw him under the bus because it's this oh look at liverpool they're crying and whining again until two weeks or six months or a year and a half later, the same issue rises its head up and bites another team in the ass. And all of a sudden they go fucking crying about this. And it's like, well, where were you when our manager stood up and raised this issue when all it would take would be what 15 of the other managers, maybe 19 other managers to stand arm in arm and go, yeah, this is bullshit. We shouldn't be having a 1230 Saturday kickoff when players aren't getting back from international duty until the early hours of a Thursday morning. That's just common sense, isn't it? We, but we when it's helped. us, it's yeah. fine to pile them on. We've got every 12.30 after internationals on television. Of course we do. Of course we do. And because I mean, hey. They announced they announce the Christmas. Well, they announced the Christmas. We've got Crystal Palace 12.30 after the international break. I was just like. Chris, I'm not going to lie. I know it's an issue and it might have been you. Team. I fucking love the Saturday early kickoff. I love getting up for a 7.30 in the morning kickoff. It's just the best. I love getting up because I'm oh, used man. to getting up at 5.30 in the morning to watch Liverpool. So getting up at 7.30 is a dream. But it's so much more convenient for me. So I'm really conflicted on it. Because at the one time, I see the issue and it is bullshit. Like, the numbers I'm still, are... I'm still waking up, mate. I... I'm still waking up. I'm, I'm can't be awake for that sort of stuff. Giants. Also, my daughter, my daughter, also, my daughter plays fussy. So generally her games are around that time. So I missed the fucking game as well. Yeah, so, see, if it was on at me, 7.30, if, if Liverpool played at 7.30 in the morning for you, you'd absolutely love it. You could oh, watch be, the match be, and then I'll, get on with your whole day. Yeah, that's what I mean. The only benefit of 12, 12.30 is if you win, if you win, your fucking weekend's brilliant. Though. It's set up for the weekend. You don't care. Though. So... But let's have a quick look at next week, very quickly, because uh, oh, it's a few interesting games. 
games this week. So uh, the teams in and around us. So I mean, City have got Bournemouth, so three points there. We'll worry about yeah. that. Newcastle at home to Arsenal. So that'll be an Big interesting game. one. Um, we are away to Luton. Villa are away to away to Forest, and then Monday night Spurs are at home to Chelsea. So there's definitely opportunities there where you could see that staying as is or that gap shrinking even more. Yeah, I mean, I was probably if you would have asked me this before yesterday's game, I probably would have been a little bit more bullish about the chances of Chelsea taking yeah, points off of Arsenal. It's but Chelsea they are dog shit. They're so, if you need to laugh, you can either watch Dumb and Dumber again for the hundredth time, which is also a good choice, or you can just watch Chelsea Football Club play and then go online and read their fans just furious about their team because they are an absolute, absolute joke of a team. But they did with, they did with the transfer window, though. So you uh, that's true. That's true. That's they true. did spend they the most got, on the transfer window. They have got a transfer window um, look. The thing with Chelsea is, though, it's which one turns up because as as bad as that breath result is, I've watched the highlights of it. I've never seen a team miss so many chances in my life. Chelsea? Was a pro- Chelsea, missed- Chelsea, should have- Chelsea should have easily gone out of that game with a draw. They just couldn't hit a bound off. Yeah, at best with a draw. At best with a draw. They had to bring on David Denzel Washington as an attacking sub to try to get something from that game at the end of it. Oh, they spent a billion and a half pounds in three transfer windows to not have a goalie and not have a striker. I thought in preseason, the first couple weeks of the year, I thought Nicholas Jackson might actually be a decent player. Beto will end up scoring more goals in the Premier League than Nicholas Jackson will. He is not good. Sterling blew hot for a couple weeks, and now he's just blowing, and that's totally fine. Cole Palmer is easily their most threatening attacking player. Yeah, I'm so surprised at him. Go watch this. I think he's... I think he looks all right, Palmer. Yeah, oh, yeah, he yeah. is. I I think it's more interesting. I think the League Cup games coming up in the midweek are far more interesting. Yeah, you got West West Ham host Arsenal, Everton host Burnley, Chelsea have the opportunity to lose to Blackburn Rovers, which would be incredible. We I'm head down it. to Born. We head down it. to Bournemouth. Itchwips Ipswich Town host Fulham and Manchester United against Newcastle United. Those are some decent games on Wednesday and. It is my favorite week of the year, which is when you guys change your clocks, but we don't change our clocks for another week. So the game is an extra hour later for me, so I should be able to get home from work to watch the game on Wednesday, which is the did most see, important thing. Did you see the uh, Caicedo yellow card as well? Yeah. Which looks absolutely no different to Jones' red card against Spurs. That's infuriating because it's Simon Hooper, the same useless bald-headed ref. If they'd have just done the exact same job done good process boys that they did with curtis jones and tell him to go over to the screen and just show the still the image still. of Caicedo's foot on the player's ankle it's a 100 red card he got way less of the ball than curtis jones did i don't know if he got the ball at all actually mm. like that's the sort of stuff that just when you see that type of tackle you've got at this way it's maddening she's going either the both yellows or the both reds yeah. and do you know what i think if Caicedo got a red well, if you agree with it, you go, well, it's the same for what Jones got. So, do you know, fine, that's that's the line. You know, that, yeah. that's how can't Humans make mistakes, Chris. Humans make mistakes. Just move on. Yeah, yeah it's the same fucking ones, though, isn't it? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I will say the one thing that the comms, I don't know if it was Warnock or the main guy said that did really ring true was this feels like the longest suspension ever for Curtis Jones. It, like, it feels like he hasn't played a league game in like a month and a half. Yeah, that, that's the pain of getting set up just for an international break, isn't it? 
Yeah. Yeah, it's so. funny how that works. Is there any chance that United have clawed this back and are going to take a point off of uh, City? No, it doesn't look like no. it. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done it. Apparently, for the second goal, Anana dives so far, he dives away from the ball. So, you know, Brad Jones. <laughs> he could have done a Brad Jones. I, I still maintain that's the funniest thing. It wasn't the time, but you see, like, the funniest thing I've ever seen in football, where literally Brad Jones dived out of the way of the ball for United to score. I'm fucking lads. I'm not touching that. <laughs> You're gonna need to start calling it. You're gonna need to start calling it an Onana because it's becoming his thing. Like he's done it a couple oh. of times now. Like that one. I, he, just he, saved the penalty, he saved the penalty. He saved the penalty though. I saved yeah, the penalty. They're back. And they, yeah. they beat the mighty Copenhagen. So you know, you know. That's right. Harry Harry Maguire, Scott McTominay, and Andre Onana are gonna take Manchester United to great things. I mean, Somebody in here should have saved it. I don't think we did. Said Ten Hogs gonna be back in Holland by Christmas time. And hey, have you seen have you seen the state of Ajax? I, I heard somebody said that they're sitting they're bottom 18? of the table. Eighteen. Fucking and wild. And five two. Like, what? What's going on with the world? It's just like, you know, Ajax are always like first, second, or third. The worst yeah, season Ajax is third. You know, I mean, eighteen. Yeah. Well, don't worry, don't worry, Chris, because some Ten things, will save them. Yeah, exactly. No matter how much some things like Ajax's position in the table changes, some things stay the same, and that is the ridiculous state of the fans in Spanish football. Because I said it yesterday when there was a fair few of us watching the Clasico that win, lose, or draw might have a certain percentage on it, but there's almost a hundred percent chance that Vinny Jr. is going to be racially abused in this game. And sure okay. as shit, Barcelona's open an investigation. I don't know why he's playing there anymore. I mean, it terrifies me because the only place he's going to go if he leaves Real Madrid is Manchester City. Yeah, and yeah. that's terrifying because he that is fucking like dynamite. But he deserves so much better. He's such a good player, and he does not deserve that absolute horse shit that he gets in the Spanish league. It's ridiculous. I feel so sorry for him and all the other players that have to go through that shit week after week for just making people happy and playing football, man. That's that's oh, crazy. Man. Ridiculous. But man. it is time for the Matt versus Emmett Derby in the National Football League. Packers versus Vikings is getting started right now. So let's go smash those stupid Vikings is all I got to say about it. Right. We need to man the match, but it's getting to the point now we're going to have to man the match who's not Dominic Sobosly. Even, even if you it's include Sobosly. It's getting boring. I thought Sobosly you, you can include Sobosly. I, I would give it to McAllister. I thought McAllister. Oh, fair enough. I'll give it to Sobosly. And to be fair, McAllister is another good show, to be fair. Yeah. So, okay, you go with... Mac yeah, I, I, I just thought McAllister did everything he needed to do. He was left on his own a lot more than he had been because Trent wasn't inverting as much. He was quick on the ball. He was using his body to shield. The work that he did on the first goal for winning the ball back and getting us started on the attack, that made that first goal. And the first goal was all important in this game. If we got it, we were always going to cruise to an easy victory. If they got it, you know, white knuckle, squeaky bum time sort of stuff. Yeah, I just thought it was excellent. And the more he plays in that position, the better he's going to get at it. And everything is just starting to solidify around it. And I still want Andre in January. Do not get me wrong. I'm very much looking mm -hmm. forward to that. We got the Copa final coming up in what, I think a week now, next Saturday, next Sunday, something like that is the Copa Libertadores final. It's not the end, of the, that's the end of the season as well, isn't it? No, no, they play until they play until the middle of December. I thought it was the end of their season as well, too, but I was oh, let down okay. the I was led down the garden path and made to look a fool in a chat somewhere uh, on a show the other night. So they do have, I think, eight more game weeks left <laughs> totally. or something I, like that. I've been thinking of fools over there for about three years, so don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, we know. We know. <laughs> That's how they brought you in. You're the brains. <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, we're in That's trouble. A, well, I know. That's a, we'll have to bring Kev back soon. Keep us doing yeah. well. Yeah, so no back. kidding. No kidding. But yeah, 
it's another another good day in Liverpool land. And if you guys, gals, and everyone else out there, if your confidence is not building in the team that we've got, get on board because it's uh, we're good. We're good, man. And I think we're going to have a good, good year this year. Cool. Listen, do the like, subscribe, all that good stuff. And the guys, we're yeah. Join uh, us on Twitch. That's the most important thing. Yeah. At 10 o'clock. So that'll be on. Uh, so we're on again at 10 o'clock tonight, guys. So I'm sure they'll be reviewing all of the Premier League. I've no doubt we'll be laughing at Man United. Oh, yeah. Shit. Tools. Before we go, Garmack definitely pointing out the most important thing is that oh, the, uh, G- the GAA ladies ran their Dublin City Marathon today. So our charity partner that we had for the last, I don't even know, like eight, nine, ten months. Uh, helping raise that uh, over 20,000 euros for breast cancer research and awareness. They work their socks off training daily to get ready to run this marathon. So hopefully Gav has an update. Uh, I believe he was heading out. I think Gav was going to do a half marathon today. He wasn't going to do the full thing. So uh, hopefully Gav is recovered from that for tonight's show. But yeah, that's the the end. Sorry, Gav's doing a half marathon. Sorry, I've just seen the statistic goal. He he does. He he dives past the ball. I'll send it to you in a minute. Uh, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I, I can't wait oh, to see that. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I thank you very much, Garmack, for bringing that to our attention because that is the end of another uh, successful LFC Day Tripper slash Talking Cop uh, fundraising campaign. Uh, we eventually, between us and the work that the GAA club did, we got them to their fundraising target and now they have to go and run their 26 miles. So I hope it was oh. a nice day for running in Dublin today. Oh, yeah, that's... Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, it worse. Fair play, so... Yeah. 20, 26 metres does me. Um, so, on that happy note, we'll go. And listen, the guys will be back at 10 o'clock on Twitch and on YouTube. So, until then, the Reds just keep on winning. Up the Reds. Go, Pat, go. Sports Social Podcast Network.